0: plushcare.com slash weight
1: loss. No such thing as a media band. We don't have a media band. Ah you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat a, a donkey He <laughs> was, was nothing cheap.
2: He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, built. but I burst out laughing There's only one place to start, uh, Paddy. Uh, that is the incredible comeback from Limerick. And apologies, apologies to you for starting with this, but we have to. You're on the show on your own with me today, and you're going to have to suffer. <laughs> There's no little bit. like. I mean, think about this. Like, I mean, they were dead and buried at half time. Like, I mean, there were eleven down in the first half, ten down at half time. Like this. Tipperary tired in the second half. There's no doubt about that. But they were they tired like normal human being players. Limerick were superhuman in the second half. They didn't get tired. If anything, they became energized by the halftime team talk. They didn't look in any way tired. And they gave a second half performance that was pretty much beyond belief.
1: Yeah, it was kind of for the ages, I think, that performance. Um, but I know you I say dead and bury the half time. I certainly didn't. No and but that's, nor- that's normal, that,
2: That's normal. you're from Tipperary, uh, you're thinking the worst. Though.
1: I don't think so, no, because I, I can remember 2019 All-Ireland final. 20 minutes ago, I said, this game is over, Like you know, this right. team had Kilkenny and it was over. And I said, I I was I brought my mother to the match yesterday and she said, three goals now, Jeez, we're going well, and I said, we'll need every one of them. Um, because that was, to me, Limerick in the first half were absolutely dead. Now, Tipperary were flying, so, don't get me wrong, Tipperary were absolutely flying. But well, there was a there was there I'd say forty percent or fifty percent Limerick were playing it honestly, like if it really, really what they were at. And when they upped the gears in the second half, Tip had put so much into the first half that they were able to blow them out of the tackles, uh, them so hard. And it was in in a lot of ways it was a reverse of the first half. Tip were able to break up Limerick's play in the first half, but when Limerick did it to Tip, it was devastating uh consequences. Um, now Tip will always look back at a couple of things. I think that first goal could have really been avoided, uh, probably a poor option, and then we got turned over for the goal. And when, Kidd- when Limerick, sorry, are playing that well and they're coming back at you like that, you certainly can't hand them scores. But uh, they were hit. They were full value for their win. They were absolutely awesome and really showed again. Another feather to their bow. That, that kind of a comeback.
2: We'll talk about that puck out um, in part two when we analyse the game, because it was that sharp puck out really was, you know... It, w- it was a killer blow because the three points in a row turned into 1-3 and now it's back. Now it's, now I started thinking, I have to hold, do hold my hands up. I said to the father at halftime, I said, Limerick are going to be beaten here. Tip are flying it. They're absolutely all over them. And it's hard to turn around a flat performance. Even Henry Shefflin, um, now he said Tip would win handy. I thought that was getting maybe getting carried away with themselves. I thought Limerick would, would have come out. Well. But it has to be said, Paddy, the Galan red card, that was a big... Huge talking point. Would Limerick have won that, anyways? Do you think? Like, I think everyone will agree that was a straight red card.
1: Yeah, sure. Look at I. As a Tipperary person, what I'd be saying first is Tip have a lot more, and I haven't heard much about the Glen red card in Tip because I think we're just concerned about our performance. But as an analyst, I'm saying obviously that was a red card. Um, He flicked out hit him on the knee and looked like a nice slap this time. I know some people say Cahill goes down a bit easy, but that was obviously a nice. Smack at Hurley So look, that was a straight red uh, Kilkenny, or sorry, Limerick oh, Kilkenny, but Limerick were in the ascendancy um, They were really, really strong I still think it would have been a really difficult match for Tipperary um, But that could have just given them space in their backline To ping the ball around And not be closed down as much as they were in that second half And we were, every time Tipperary came out with the ball There was Limerick lads all over them So look, that can change the match but Tip got the decision against Clare. We got the penalty that you know, yeah, most yeah. people would agree that it wasn't. So it evens itself out. Um, and even the Seamus Flanagan one, the game was over at that stage, nearly. But um, that was probably another one, really.
2: Yeah, no, that probably was. Galan did that against Cork a few years ago and got sent off for it. Nearly the exact same thing. I don't know, was he pissed off that he wasn't starting? Because there was no real need for it. Barrett wasn't really fouling him or doing too much. And I know Barrett might get inside your head off the ball and maybe that contributes into it. I don't know. But like, I mean, one thing that could have done it could have demoralised Limerick, you know, their their efforts at a comeback. Because I know they scored the first two points before that. I remember Tom Morrissey kind of celebrated one of his points. And like then you're thinking, geez, it's a bit airy to be celebrating now. Wait till you get to, you know, four or five. But they were obviously riled up. That might have taken the wind out of their sails if they went down to 14 men.
1: Yeah, that's the words I was saying, wind out of sails. And it's like, you suppose, we talk about 2019, all Ireland barricades or Hogan gets sent off. Like people say, oh Tip would have won that anyway. I, I don't, you know, always go for that. I think maybe on the day the better team, fine. But it does completely change it. If there's only if there's eight points in it and, and you take a man out of it, yes, it is a completely different game. Then you have hopefully Limerick maybe running around chasing shadows. Like in fairness, Tip looked like they had an extra man of time in the first half. And uh in the second half, they may have made that count a bit more and they could have spread the play. Um, and they should have been able to do it more with 15 men, but they didn't. But 14 would have helped. But still, look, at if, if I'm just saying, obviously, from a tip point of view, I think you're looking a lot deeper than that, than just the red card incident. But yeah. I think Galan will, will have to be careful. I'd say it's probably a build-up of not playing, getting on, sort of maybe a couple of rough and tumbles with Barry Heffernan and, um, and as I said, Barrett. But, um, yeah, he'll have to watch that. And it is something that's in his play. And look, to take that out of him, You know, what else are you taking
2: out? Yeah, I think the reason Tip aren't making too much out of it is because they were completely, you know, annihilated, as they say in the second half, and it would sound very, very stupid, you know, or, you know, sour grapes to, to be bringing it up. Kilkenny won their 73rd Leinster title, Brian Cody, 17th. Like, I mean, you know, geez, for me, the writing was on the wall when they went 4-0 up. Ono O'Donnell gone off. He shouldn't have started, Paddy, let's be honest. Like, I mean, the hamstring wasn't right. The very first ball, you could see him pulling up, wasn't it? The very first ball. And he must have stayed running around for another couple of minutes. And now, you're, now he's gone off. You're wasting a sub. You know, hindsight is fair enough. But if it's not right, you can't really, you can't play.
1: Yeah, and I'm just, I'm wondering what the thought process was behind it because... You know, it was a tear the hamstring going off. Like anyone looking at him pulling up in the Leinster semi final, yeah. that was at least a grade one or sorry, a grade one hamstring, which is maybe your least um uh, dangerous. But that still takes to me, when I ever pull my hamstring, you're probably the same three to four weeks yeah. to be right. Yeah. And you're going into a Leinster semi final and you know TJ or some other good player is going to be put on you to test it out and of course he's gone straight away. And okay, they did want to win the the Leinster final but I think when the other players were ruled out with COVID I would have nearly cut my losses with Owen O'Donnell as well and said if we had a full team yes we could try and win this Leinster final and that's a massive year for Matty Kenny in Dublin but without those COVID uh, restricted players already and Owen O'Donnell O'Donnell struggling I would have nearly you know, I would have left him off and said, "Hopefully, we can get a good performance without him." But, I mean, to me, it's never going to work. Two weeks. I've never seen a hamstring from pulling to being completely right in a match come right.
2: Yeah, not when you come off weeks. the way, not when you come off the way he did. I suppose, like, I mean, that's that's important. Geez, no. you have to feel for Keno Callahan and for and Hayes. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ, they're close. Like, you, when when I think about this, and you obviously have to be respectful of the COVID thing and the people, you know, who whose family members have lost lives. But the chances are, these two fellas are perfectly healthy only they were a close contact of somebody who also might have been perfectly healthy, but it was a it was a positive test. And they're missing a the feckin' Leinster final. Paddy, I'd be tearing my hair out. I, I wouldn't be, like, I would lose my mind. I don't, like, I would, I don't know what I would do, but they, they missed the Leinster final, you know, and know. potentially not a bother on either the two of them.
1: <laughs> Absolutely flying it, probably at home, with <laughs> the feet up, <off>, you know, <laughs> looking at podcasts. But it is, it is, ter- and and we're actually getting to a stage now of, when are we stopping declaring these types of things? When are we saying the close contacts aren't as dangerous as they were before and that we have to get on with life? And yeah. I understand this is that middle ground now. Um, and as a layman, it's very hard for us to say they should have been allowed to play. And actually, they're only going out into a pitch anyway, so they probably wouldn't spread it. So it is a really difficult situation, which really I just feel for them because provincial finals... You get a few years out, and Dublin have some had some really good years, but they've also had some down years where they wouldn't get near a Lancer final. So they're massive days for them. And look at, I thought, like you, I thought it was, you could see the way the game was going. Yes, Dublin fought really hard for a long time, but like Tipperary, they ran out of a lot of gas. They had to give everything to be in that match. Uh, at stages and and keep onto the coattails of kilkenny um but without the those players and they're picked because they're probably the strongest fattest f- fastest fittest and and best hurlers and without then you're really you know you're going into the bottom not in the bottom of the barrel but you know, you don't have a deep panel anyway, and now you know it's it's getting harder and
2: harder. Yeah, Ronan Hayes was a big loss because Hugh Lawler cleaned up in nice. the air in there, and he was going to be a big loss. Obviously, Kina Callan and Fergal Whiteley and Ushie Rourke, they were close contacts too, so they were gone out of the subs. You know, so it's it's just very it's very disappointing. And especially the point is, you know, all these things—it was always to protect the vulnerable and maybe their grandparents at home and things like that—and they're all vaccinated now. So I don't know, I, I I don't want to go into too, but I just feel terrible for them. Dublin no, don't I- no get in Leinster finals too often, and for them to miss, um, you know they could easily they could easily have played but you know obviously they had to follow the the guidelines Maddie Kenny said after the game um, our guys were very brave there we asked them to be brave and drive on they were very brave between the two injuries in the first half and losing the six guys was a massive loss he he says our guys did themselves proud they did Dublin proud we'll regroup and I suppose all in the context of of maybe the, being hit so hard with the injuries and the COVID thing. Like maybe, sounded like Dublin almost were a beaten docket before the game. And, you know, because for me, they were well beaten in the game. The game wasn't a contest for the majority of the second half. And usually Maddie wouldn't say he's proud of them. You know, I don't know. It feels like, geez lads, you just stay close to Kilkenny today. And, you know, you've, you've done yourself. You know, it feels like they were beaten before they went out, I suppose is the point I'm trying to make.
1: Well, like I was looking at it on, on television and it popped up on the screen that said these guys were I only saw it at the last minute that they were out and I felt they were beaten before they went out and I try not to be disrespectful, just honest to what I thought because I feel Kirkenny are going well and I said, Jeez, without these guys, you know you Keane know, Callan to me is a great, great man marker and you have both ends of the field when you get the ball in there, you want to be safe, you want a ball winner and you want somebody to protect on the other end and, I said, and then I said to myself, and oh, no, Owen O'Donnell is starting I said, this is a recipe for uncertainty um, and I don't think you could be uncertain playing in a Leinster final, if they had all, you know, all their top players playing, I think they would have said, yeah, we have a right of beating Kilkenny here, we've often performed well against them and it just, it was like the gods worked against them the other day really and a lot of what was going on, so... Do you know what, Matty, Kenny isn't too far wrong. I think he's been as honest as he can be. Um, and I think that's going to prove to be a really troublesome Kenny team over this year and the following few years. And do you know what, he is right. It is very difficult when you have Hugh Lawler, very good full back but he's not up against the match that he's supposed to be against. And Mark Shute has been brilliant before for Kula and Dublin. But like over the last few years, between injuries and being involved with Dublin footballers, he hasn't really been exposed to much intercounty hurling. Yeah. So I think, you know, you're not putting life at light there.
2: He's not hasn't been the same since he came back with them at all, to be honest. Like he just he, he hasn't he hasn't been able to crack on crack on to it. Brian Cody said after the after match we have a young team, a young panel, and there's obviously some top class experienced players In there as well, which there is. and Kilkenny now amazingly have a bench, right? So Cody was never well known for, for bringing lads on. Like, I mean, that's the old school managers, me 15 and that's it. Like he'd bring one or two on, maybe three. Now he's bringing on Michael Carey. What a, what a speed merchant he is I would advise Brian Cody to have a look at Kyle Hayes yesterday and maybe have a cheaper version in, in, in Michael Carey as, a, as, a, as a, a well look he's not a Kyle Hayes but for that speed coming from wing back I mean that's pointed away if that's not the future of wing backs in hurling if you have that kind of speed uh, maybe it is you know you have Killian Buckley you have Walter Walsh you have Alan Murphy uh, James Bergen who played well when he came on an impact off the bench now Paddy
1: Huge impact off the bench, um, but I suppose. Look, you're saying for the last few years he hasn't used many subs, and I think that's because they hadn't been developed yet. But certainly back when we played, it was oh somebody coming in. Martin Comfort came in in 2011 and probably made the difference. Got a goal there when we were when we were kind of on top and coming back. So. Plenty of times when they've been successful, they had a lot of people come on. Like TJ Reid was a sub in 2008 and came on and scored five or six points in the All Ireland. So it is something he would have liked to have. But he's after development. That's what I admire about it. It's taken two or three years. I mean, how many people wanted uh, Cody gone over the last few years? I suppose, look, I always maintained he was getting the most of what he had. And I think they look back to what they are. they, they, They were a bit more new age, obviously. I'm not saying they were lumping every ball down, they were finding their stick passes. But they had a great mix of driving in long, and you know what? The old school, the men won't get out with the ball. The forwards tackling like backs, yeah. and to be honest, they had honesty there, and they were all all over the Dublin backs. Who just you see him in the last 15, 20 minutes. They were gassed out, um, and uh, that's a great sign of, of that Kilkenny team. And I think they have a right say in this all Ireland.
2: The you know the famous clip between Tyrone and Kerry of that ferocious Tyrone tackling that went from the whole, that's Kilkenny, that 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 clip went on for maybe a minute, a minute and a half, and it, you know everyone spoke about it and it did the rounds. That's Kilkenny for seventy five minutes without stopping.
1: Yeah, like it's well, that's it's, honesty. Um, and look, I, I, I've i talked to people recently, I've I started a little bit because I'm getting older to play in the forward line and I'm seeing it from a different perspective. There's umpteen times, and you probably know, same in football in the forest, umpteen times you can not make a, a run or not cover space or not support the man and nobody will actually know in the stadium. Nobody yeah. will know at the match. The manager won't know. And I think that's the true sense of what honesty is and what a team is is you make the run and you cut the space out and nobody will see and it makes it just that bit easier for your team and if I was to pinpoint one thing that Kilkenny get right it's that it's that there's that honesty that they're always getting back and he has picked people who can move I often say Tipperary maybe struggle with mobility around the field he has guys on the field you look at Martin Keown there when he came on hurling first for Kenny a few years ago, he was extremely raw hurler, but he was able to move around the field. Billy Ryan was probably different. He was more of a hurler. Now you see him getting involved in the play and he's as teak-tough as any of them. And I think, you know, you would look on the field there now if they had any other jersey on, you'd still say it was a brain Cody team.
2: Yeah, yeah, you'd identified. It. So there it was a brilliant game in Turles on Saturday evening. Um, fantastic game. Clare obviously won a clear of a great record against Wexford. Let's be honest. Should be 4 0. It's 3 1. Um, yeah. You know, after the game, then it kind of turned into the Davy show. Like, I mean, we know Davy and he had a bit of a run in with, with Paul Galvin. Not a run in. It was Paul Galvin responded back to it. Like, well, this is definitely contrived by Davy after losing a game. Like, he started talking about, uh, he says, Can I say it to people, people have brothers and sisters, mams and dads. People people that they actually care about them and what people in the media and Claire have done is absolutely disgusting what people in social media have done is disgusting what one or two people one or two clubs have done instead of looking at themselves and how they can make their teams better they've tried to pull us in a place we don't need to be that's grand but in general the boys and girls trolled and getting online abuse it's not good enough and I would challenge the government to stand up and make these faceless people accountable what the hell has that got to do with losing a, a match Like the, the boys and the girls getting trolled and uh, cl- calling on the government that, that's our uh, shy talk That that is trying to re- deflect away <laughs> deflect away from the match and that, that kind of stuff he doesn't really have any business in post-match matches like I mean it's it's cle- he's clearly doing that for a reason
1: Well I'd love to hear the question that was actually asked him <laughs> because you know was it a current affairs journalist was there asking him about it because I don't know how you get onto it um, look I, I've often talked about David Fitz I've being a player on the field while he's been on the sideline for plenty of years and everyone has got it, you know, his own players have got it in a manner that's, you know, not encouraging. Like that's like borderline abusive. Officials are getting it. I mean, we talked about up in Antrim recently. He's starting around for no reason. And, yeah. you know, he gets banned for a match. Uh, opposition players get it. I've been involved in a colleges match. We're going around for the parade and he's roaring at our players' In our parade, that he managed at club Lab. So <laughs> there's three, there's three incidents of him yeah. bullying straight away or attempting to bully. But it all goes back to boohoo to everyone else. And you know, in his book as well. And look, I don't think family members should be abused and this and that. But I mean, you know, world's small, smallest violin. You know, that's yeah. that's you know, let's not let's not say you're a saint yourself. I mean, and what I really dislike, what really really annoys me, is. It was said to him after the anthem match, you know, and he said, look, that's the way I am. You know the way I am. That's the way I go on. Well, that's why is it okay for you to go on and expect everyone else to be virtuous? No, and also the other thing I didn't like as well is just the people in clear just stop questioning me and my family well, they have questions they want answered. A lot of people are asking them in respectful ways. I have no idea what's going on. But there are obviously people in clear not happy with some of the things that are going on. And I think everyone's entitled, if you're involved in committees, if you're involved in clubs, wherever you're involved in, you're entitled to be questioning what you're doing. And I think that's democracy and that's the way everything should be running in a country. So look at pure deflection, um, you know, family members aside, you know, answer the questions about the team.
2: Well, that's it. Paul Galvin anyway says David Fitz loves to play the victim when Oof. it suits him. He's far from a victim in how he behaves behind the scenes when front, um, while front, while fronting to the media, and I can personally attest to that. Hope someone in the media has the guts to ask him hard questions now. Always the victim, never your fault, David. So like Galvin wasn't holding back, and like I mean, I think it was Eddie Brennan uh, replied, uh, "Never a truer word said." But I don't like I mean, that. I was
1: shocked. Yeah, I, I don't. I was I don't, shocked that the. That's
2: it. Yeah. I don't like, I mean, the, the playing the victim thing annoys me. Like, I mean, I get more abuse online than anyone. Like, you don't come on crying about it. You just have to take it. Like, and even at the Eddie Brennan interview that time, Christ almighty, you were slated, but you don't come out crying and saying, oh, poor me, look at all the abuse I'm getting. You have to accept it. And that's like, you know, Davy's a divisive character. And his father's a little mm-hmm. bit, maybe, maybe you don't know his father that well to say he's a divisive character. No. But if you're in public life in Clare, that's part of the job. You know, it's part and parcel of it yeah. for managers, players. And abuse is wrong. Online abuse. We know yeah. that. But public figures get it all the time. Like, I mean, crying about it. I don't know. I think I, I definitely, there's no doubt in my mind he, he had that pre-plan because he often does it after matches anyways, Paddy. Whenever he loses, he talks about abuse that he's getting. Whenever he wins, he doesn't seem to talk about it at all.
1: I know. Um, and, and look, come here frank murphy got the same in cork you know if we're just talking about his dad i don't know anything about the man um he was getting questioned for years and had to get on with it yeah so if you're going to take that public job where you're involved in a passionate business like it's a passionate sport and that's his business unfortunately if you're involved with it people are going to want answers when things aren't going right and it's publicly they're going to want like so you know you could be involved in whatever private business you are and it's it's in within uh you know any any corporation or whatever, and you're going to be questioned from the inside. But this is the public the public are entitled to know where their money is going when they're, you know, supporting the teams and sorry, that comes with the territory.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Come here, Leash have redeemed themselves again. Like I mean, this this seems to be the case. There's some sort of mental block in the Leinster Championship for Leash in the last few years. They got hammered by Dublin, redeemed themselves against Clare in Nolan Park. They then they get mm-hmm. hammered by Wexford even worse, and then beat Antrim and then Jesus, could easily have beaten Waterford. You were watching this, Paddy. I'm delighted you were watching it because I was like, I watched the Sunday game this morning and I was watching it I was really pissed off that they, they didn't show much of the game, which is fine. Now, Anthony Daly made a comment and saying Annalise completely changed their game plan and then Des moved on to some other game. I was like, what did they do? What mm. will you tell me here? Like, So I'm trying to read match reports and see and Cheddar did allude to it that they, you know, they, they kind of went almost, Cheddar says, we've stripped it back Uh, to getting the simple and fundamental things right first. Getting those tactical parts and adjusting to those tactical parts, we need to do better. So, like, I mean, Cheddar's saying he just stripped it back. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. I know every county supporters has the same gripe with the Sunday game. But Jesus, give us a a little bit more than that.
1: Well, I think especially when it wasn't shown on either Sky or or whatever your issues are with that, um, a lot of people don't have the Sky Go, and it is finicky, you probably know yourself, I find it annoying watching matches on a laptop, and hooking it up to the telly, and, and what have you, so, um, people just aren't going to watch it as much, um, and so it would have been a great one, and it's a very good story, the fact that Leash are putting it up to Waterford, on yeah. ireland finalists last year, and, and Waterford have a lot of motivation as well, so it's not like Waterford are coming sleepwalking into this, and I suppose, look, before anything else, I have to apologise and say, I was looking at Leash during the league, and I could only say what I saw and that they were going terribly and really didn't know what they were at. Uh, but look, I looked at it yesterday. They were equal physically um, and the way they hurled. And if you're, if I was looking at it, I just think they played it really simple. Like how I like hurling, or maybe a lot of people like hurling to be played, you get in under the brakes, you beat your tackle, you hand, it on, you hand it on to a free man and he pops it into the forward line. And look, they played really, really well. They were very, very hard to break down. I think Paddy Purcell coming back into form, though, for me, like he is so elusive yeah. when he's playing well. When he's reading it, and the same thing happened against, Anström, against Antrim, the same type of goal, onto the break, and Harlan is different like that. When you don't think, and you're just coming onto these breaks, it seems to happen over and over and over, and he got, got three goals in the last two games with nearly the same sort of stuff, but he was he's, he's a top-tier player, really, to be fair to him, and... Um, They were lucky the other day. They got things going, the water break. And maybe, for once for the underdog, the water break came at the wrong time when they scored the goal.
2: Well, that was it. So, like, I mean, they went ahead at that water break with 10 minutes to go they were ahead unbelievably you know they were trailing and like Cheddar said afterwards we could have won the game I'm not interested in moral victories I think there was five in it at the end but that was a last minute goal I'm interested in finding out how we're going to improve ourselves against these teams learning and developing and turning over some of these teams like the the, the, the reality is like and I'm the same with Gaelic football they, it went so it, football hurling gone tactical and a lot of dropping off and leaving men free Stop leaving men free, like Tipperary showed and Cork showed against Limerick. Stop leaving their men free; they won't score as much. And Tip might have run out of, of steam, but if you mark the opposition's men and you leave some enough forwards up when you have the ball, like you know, you're you're onto a, a kind of a, a fairly logical starting point there straight away, Paddy.
1: Yeah, I think there's a better balance that teams are looking to get. I think sometimes when you play a Limerick it's hard to know what to do. And I get that. I, I do get that. It's like, okay, if we step up on them, they're quite strong. Like I saw Dan McCormack hanging out of Keane Lynch all day I was at it and he was doing great for a long time or at least breaking even. But then when the tiredness set in, these lads just got going and they opened you up. So I can see it at that point. But against most other teams, I don't see this infatuation with cutting off the space. I mean, what happened to actually marking somebody tight? Yeah. Um, And that's that's what I, you know, I would admire some of the teams like Kilkenny and Fairness and even... You know, Limerick were open at times in the first half yesterday, but the goals were got off breaks of the ball. But any ball that came into Callan, any ball that came into Jake Morris, they were getting really hounded out to the sideline. And I think, you know, if I was looking at, sometimes I look at underage tip players and I think they're not coached to actually be negative, you know, as a backman, And that's a real skill that needs to be harnessed is to say, well, if you're getting to the ball, I'm going to be, very, very tight yard. I'm actually trying to pull you back. And I think Barrett has it, obviously. He has the pace. And, and he played as a cornerback as a youngster. But if I was looking at a lot of people, they're not coached with it. They're not coached to cut off the angles, to come across where the ball wants to come in, to know where the space to come out and block off from the corner forward or the full forward. And it is a gap, I see. But certainly most teams, I don't think they need as much tactical
2: maybe there's too many coaches maybe. Yeah. To I, maybe maybe there's too many free men and that was definitely the case with Leash and Wexford and Nolan Park they're dropping all off them and that's Grant cutting down space and sure this is a game of hurling where you can score from the feckin far 45 metre line it sure. doesn't make sense it makes sense in Gaelic football it doesn't really make sense in hurling I think Cheddar might have um, you know realised that and the Leash performances have improved an awful lot since then um, before we get into the Munster final analysis Paddy Westmead won the Joe McDonough Cup delighted for them and um, at last. Now, yeah. you, you you said it delighted for them, but now Kerry have lost two, you know, in a row. So you're kind yeah. of rooting for them now to get get out of it um, next year. Um, some great, three great goals in it. The Nile Mitchell catching goal at the start. Like, that's out a very I top drawer you. from from a, from a puck. Out. And the camera angle for the Kieran Dial goal. Like, he stuck that within an inch of the inside of the post.
1: Postage stamp, absolutely. And there were two kind of similar... I suppose I was looking at him like a defender, like they were unbelievable finishes, but I said the same ball twice, ricochets the same or catch the same direction and no covering behind from Kerry. But then we're going back to maybe hanging too many men back. But I think sometimes we're talking about uh, the level just below Liam McCarthy. That's a lot of the time when a, a player, you know, a back man has the judgment to say, I actually have to leave my man now and go back and save that area. I'm moving back. I need to I need to run away with my man and get back in and save save the twenty one yard box. And I think, you know, when I grew up that's the way I thought you mark your man, you mark your man, but at all costs, you have to protect the goal. And I think getting a swing of a hurley that easy inside is just, you know, name a car, teams that eat that
2: up. Right, right. The Kerry goal was brilliant too. It was a lovely kind of... Shane Conway kind of pretended he was going to shoot and then gave a lovely kind of disguised pass. And then they were kind of mm. opened up a lovely pass into Mickey Boyle and a brilliant goal. He scored 1-3. I remember criticising him last year um, against Antrim that he didn't look in shape. I tell you, he's done some fair old work, you know, in the, in the last year. Excellent yesterday, and looked, you know, looked a real threat. And you know, he did he did look in much better shape. Without going on too much about it, than he was last year.
1: Well, he did, and actually, I read just just by chance, I was reading a couple of interviews before matches, and he did say that he had felt the pressure after getting a bit of criticism. But he said he did go out and got into better shape. Which I don't know what's, <laughs> which is is it good to hear it or bad to hear? It? I don't know. But he obviously made a big effort. But it is difficult. He he was saying he played over a decade for Kerry and. You know, it's probably difficult to keep that motivation, to keep in shape around COVID times. Is it, yeah. is it ever going to come around the corner that we hurl again? So I look at fair play at him for getting back this year and obviously, really really
2: talented hurler. And more of, it was more of an orthodox year this year, you're right you know the last year came after lockdowns yeah. and then came after not knowing what's going on and then a winter championship so I suppose mm. it was complete, he's, a, he's like a he's a hero in Kerry because I, I criticised him, I didn't think what I said was too much, Jesus the pushback I got off it from Kerry hurling people, he's a, le- he's a legend down in Kerry hurling like when we I wouldn't mind we complimented him a lot of the time he had brilliant wrists and JJ was, and Ken McGrath were yeah. very complimentary but I, I took it big time because he's such a legend and he's been around for so long for, for Kerry. So I was delighted to see him score 1-3 yesterday. All right, we'll leave it there and we'll come back in part two and we'll look at the Munster final. OK, so Tipperary three twenty one Limerick 2 Twenty nine. So, like, I mean, it was a very convincing win in the end. Tipperary got a consolation goal, you know, to put a little bit of respectability on it. But let's focus on the first half first, and then a game of two halves. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, like the old question, my friends, I was laughing me with, you know, the analysis: were Tip that good in the set, in the first half, or were Limerick that bad? And uh, you know, and the the other way around. I think it was just Tip were that good, and Limerick were a little bit off it. They had their tactics perfect. Dan McCormack back on Keane Lynch, like you said, they had a savage battle. I think Keen Lynch started well first 10 minutes Dan took, and Tip took over Keane Lynch kind of went out of it but Lynch cleaned Dan to be fair in the second half um You'd have to say, Tip dropping Brendan Maher off, Dan McCormick, Mark and Keenage, a little bit like Cork, we, we, we speculated, would, would they do that? Matched up against Limerick all over the field, you'd Brendan Maher free and you'd Declan Hannan kind of free and that was kind of it. But Limerick or Tipperary weren't letting any wing forwards free, you know, none of the short ball and they were well able for Limerick, you know, in that, in that, in that battle.
1: They were well able from, and I suppose Tip as well got a nice start. They got the, the goal off the break and a couple of goals off breaks. The only thing I felt was um, that first half, we did get nice purchase off, a, off the long puckouts. Yeah, And I often say to you, I think if you rely too much on long puckouts, eventually, you know, it'll come back and, and, and the other team will get a run at it. So I think Liam alluded to that after the match as well. Um, but the first half, Tip worked so hard. You know, they were all over the place. They kept a great structure in the back line and their midfield and their forward line really worked hard. And I don't think we've ever seen uh, Limerick, sorry, in the last few years be turned over as much as they were. They were kind of sometimes running out of ideas because what they rely on is the opposition to come to them hard and try and turn them over. They'll break the tackle and they're brilliant to lay off a pass then. And that wasn't happening. Tip were sort of standing off a little bit. Attacking them then when they need so, and I thought they they played it really to perfection. But look, I I do still think you know Limerick weren't you know weren't weren't at it in the first half. But they I weren't mean, they allowed to break they any tackles. They weren't
2: allowed to be at it though. They like.
1: but, but I think that's because their aggression wasn't there either. I do think Tip right. played really well. This is as good as a lot Tip team has played. But I don't think Limerick met that fire with fire like Tip were winning all the battles, right. like most of the battles, and even the high the high balls were breaking like like. Let's be honest, Limerick only had their best team on the field after 30 minutes. You know, when both Tom Morrissey, uh, sorry, Dan Morrissey and Galan came on the field. And people talk about Galan not playing, uh, starting the match. My big thing was, how is Morrissey starting full back with Shane McCann and full forward? And we saw it. Not that Richie, um, Richie English was cleaned or any of that stuff, but the physical presence of Morrissey. You saw two balls break down and Tip get through for goals. Didn't see it in the second half. And when all those long balls were coming out, there was none of this leakage of balls leaking down, being touched down, tip guys taking it, putting it on the bar. The structure was right. The ball was going constantly long. And when it did, there was a sea, there was a kind of a, a wall, a semicircle of Limerick guys coming in to clean up that break. And look at the first half, tip did well, like Jason Ford, You know the Tip forwards can do this. When the ball is popped in space, they're going to do this uh, every day of the week. But when it was tightened up in the second half, you know, unfortunately... uh, Tip couldn't
2: turn that around Was there a win there or how was Barry Hogan able to land the, the puck out so long I know he played the odd one two with a corner back to get a little bit more space it was a very obvious tactic and I think it was because Callan and Rich English Dan Morrissey might maybe wasn't playing and surely he has to be playing the next day but that was a very obvious tactic they're landing that there now you're right there is an element of look of Tipperary won the break on it but they were showing I think mm. uh, on the game after how Callanan came out for both of them and now there's nobody behind Callan, and English followed him into the break, which probably isn't the best fullback defending. There's enough lads around that break. Would you be better off standing on the edge of the box and making sure that whoever wins that break doesn't burst? It's just it happened t- twice the exact same way, and Callan came out for both yeah. of them, and English, I think English the first time, and Finn the second time, both followed him into that break and ball, leaving the whole gaping hole there.
1: And it did, and it was, and I suppose if Jake Morris was under one of the high balls anyway, and another time he broke onto it. But to me, you know, following out is one thing, but if you're not the man under the ball, um, you have to be cutting off what's around it. Like you can't, if if I'm playing cornerback, I can't let the corner forward run onto that ball, and that's why I mean about negative defending, break the ball down. And if a tip guy gets it, make him get it where he's not running onto it. And twice two tip guys running through in a row, Bubbles and um Morris, yeah. and Jake. And yeah, they stuck it away, like they're gonna stick it away, but nothing like that happened in the second half. Not one break like that happened. And they learned it at half time. But to me that if you're talking about Limerick or tip brilliant and Limerick sloppy, tip were great to get onto the break. But Limerick can look at that again and say, lads, we can't let guys run unopposed. True off breaking and ball and have such wide gaps. And I think if you were to say. God, how were Limerick bad in the first half? That's the sort of sloppy stuff that, you know, they, they shouldn't be doing.
2: Right. Because like, I mean, John Kiley said after the game that there wasn't much, a little bit of structure change, he said, but they stretched us, or he said, just physically engage in the game um, was what they did in the second half. And like, I mean, it's very old school analysis. It's just they got bloody stuck in. Now, I think Keen Lynch went wing oh. forward and, and Hegarty went in uh, centre forward. Maybe that was the only st- change that, that you saw or st- what structure is he talking about? talking about, maybe Dan Morrissey coming up and structurally tightening up those long puckouts or something I'm not sure
1: Yeah they stepped up a little bit but I think he's not far off in saying they engaged physically more, they were way more alert like I was on the side of Dermot Byrne in the second half and he was stalking Noel McGrath on the wing so he had one one head looking at him but he was going to attack a ball if it was out in front of him as well and all the 15 were more like that you saw Tipper to work out balls in the first half and Limerick were just off it that small bit and I often say in hurling, if you're just off it you could be hammered because it means that ball is just getting popped away but the second half like we know Limerick are very strong in the tackle Tip lads were not getting that ball off and they were playing on the edge you know I'd say they didn't mind if they conceded uh, a free or two but they weren't letting Tip lads run out and pop balls over their head now I do think Tip were obviously a little bit naive Liam would have eluded after the match and they could learn from Cork a little bit them sharp puck out second half you're getting closed down. There'd be nothing wrong with going back to Barry Hogan and him hitting the other sideline again and make him chase shadows a little yeah. bit. But when we talk about, you know, when you're on the pitch, that's a very, very hard thing to do when this avalanche comes at you. But it's lesson learned. But I don't know—is it too late? You know, to learn these lessons. Uh, I think you know you need to have these plan Bs going as match with time. But as well, I suppose second half. If I was tip, you know, the where I are going short to the full back line are really, really long. And it was nothing in between. And right. I think Barry Hogan tried to hit it. I think it was Noel at one stage hit it out over his head. More tension back in the team again. And I think you know they got a little bit you know jittery in the second half. And it was very predictable. And Limerick were all over it straight away.
2: I can kind of see why he went for the short one. So Limerick get three points in a row in the second half. At the start of the second half, and I'm sure he just wanted to regain possession and maybe not hit another 50 50 down there. But geez, it's so dangerous, Paddy, because three goals now has turned into one three and 10 points has turned into four. When that goal went in, I, like I thought Tip were in big trouble now, whereas at half time, I thought, you know, Limerick, I thought Tip would win the game then. You know, there's no point in saying in hindsight, well, you know, you were right at half time, maybe thinking, but I, um, you know, I think when that goal went in, now Tipperary in big trouble. I think that short puck out and it's not hindsight. It's too dangerous. Three in a row for Limerick. You know, those those short puck outs, you lose them and it's a goal. Like we've seen this before.
1: I, yeah, I can see what you're saying and, and get it up there and eventually win one maybe or make a cluster of people and try and make it into a dogfight up there. I can see that. But if I looked at that as a isolated incident, I think it was ball. It came out to Brendan. Like Noel McGraw was free. I mean now, nobody on him on the sideline, twenty yards away. And Brendan, I suppose, does what he often did before, which was dummy out to Noel, take it back into the middle, gets tackled, gets slipped, turnover, over a goal. And I just think it was probably you know, if you look back at it, he'd probably make that decision to get it to Noel and will try and work a ball down the field. So look, I don't I think it was a safe enough Sharp puck out to give. You're giving it to Brendan Maher. True, yeah. Great ball handler himself. And I don't think it was the worst option. I just think on the day, looking back and I would say, we probably did the thing you don't do against Limerick, which is turn into two of their lads tackling you without much support. Like Brendan probably hadn't much support. And i say, if you look back and you would probably say, yeah, I'd love to have it back again. I'd have let it out to Noel and Noel McGrath be good to pick a man out or certainly put it into a good area, maybe really put them deep in their own in their own 21. And yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I was nervous after two... Po- I was nervous at half time. Two points went over. This was a different Limerick team. I said, oh God, we, we can't concede a goal here. And when that goal went in, to me, it was nearly curtains so that's it.
2: Yeah, it was nearly curtains. And then, like, I mean, you have the Kyle Hayes goal. They had the goal... They had the lead wiped out. They had two points ahead by the second water break, which is just phenomenal stuff. Like, the Kyle Hayes goal, like, I mean... This just from another planet. This goal because he's getting the ball on his yeah. on his own forty-five, and like I mean, he steps inside Brendan Mar. Brendan didn't make the greatest attempt to. It was a tired no. attempt to run across at him. He just st- stepped inside him. He whacked it off the ground twice. I don't think he I don't think I think he did that showing off. I don't think he needed to to he did it before he had caught it twice. Anyways, maybe I'm I'm overthinking that, but he seemed he was he did it twice. I don't think he necessarily needed it because he had it on the hurley for a long time. I don't think he even caught it before he had tapped oh. it on the ground. And then another Dan McCarma couldn't catch him and then there's another little jink and a goal. Like I've never seen a goal like that in hurling and like I mean to to carry the ball like that. Maybe DJ Carey from around the midfield might have done something like it, but this this lads a phenomenal on. He's playing wing back like a, like, a, like a Gaelic football wing back. And I told you before, there's lots of similarities with Limerick and their tactics in Gaelic football. But he's playing that like a Jack McCaffrey, like a Gavin White from Kerry, where he's just blinding pace from wing back. He goes with the ball or without the ball. And he's equally dangerous whether he, when he's gone. He's nearly more dangerous without the ball because he's he's coming on a on you know a, a pass. It's just this lad's a huge weapon, and we're always wondering what were the thinking. He was such a good centre forward playing him wing back. Like I mean, the answer is very obvious now.
1: The Answer is very obvious because he was a natural half back as an under twenty-one. Yeah. Then he comes in as a centre forward. He's an unbelievable centre forward, maybe the best centre forward in Ireland. So he goes back. He uses the skills he learned in the forward line. It's a devastating effect now. He's in the back line. To be honest, I'm trying I think he's the best player in the country now. I think he's I asked oh, said TJ Reed for for last few years, I think this lad is the best all around player in the country. He can do absolutely everything. Like that goal, if if my under thirteens were doing that stuff in training, I'd say, hey, pack it in. Man, stop that mess and you're never going to use it in a match. But he's changing the game. Yeah. He's completely changing the game. As a wing like tip, Tip were set up for that in the first half. He went on two or three runs in the first half and Tip knew about it. They knew the danger. Mikey Brain and fairness him, followed him. Didn't always catch him, but he he knew he was on his back. Yeah. So he couldn't do the real damage. Shame he ran from the full forward line at, at one stage. Lung buster in the first half and fouled him, but stopped him up. But that ball, like he got that deep in his own half and Tip obviously tired at the time, but he just took off. Dan McCormack, fair play to him for staying with him as long as he did. Brendan, obviously, I think maybe that was a time to really... Send a message and stop H- him, up, him. Foul or fair? Yeah, yeah. And but then he, he smacks it off the ground. Twice. The second time, you're right. First time he didn't need to smack it off the ground. Second time he was just taking the piss, <laughs> and he goes through with the ball. And even the, do you know the finish that they didn't really show? His hurley was upside down. He didn't even. It was a bat. It was what? a twenty yard bat on the side. It was a bat. Look, go back and look. He didn't even swing his wrist. He turned it up. And batted the ball from twenty yards and got that much power. He's a sick animal of a freak. He's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. And the gas I just, thing? I, just, I uh, he's twenty two or three years of age. I don't know what, yeah. what are people going to do it.
2: He's unreal. And the gas thing: if Brendan Mark came across to take him out, he probably would have ended up with his head stuck in the ground, anyways, because you'd bounce off his. He's, he's so <laughs> he's so big. So like, I mean, there's no real way to stop him when he gets ahead of you. What will happen, Kyle Hayes? Is is in the next? Two or three years, you'll, you're going to be looking at wing backs playing wing forward to try and mark him. It'll be like t- li- li- you know Limerick are playing with seven forwards, yeah. and the other team you're just going to have to you're going to have to turn and watch him, turn and watch him because this is too dangerous, Paddy. Like he's making too many impacts. The goal against Cork finished the game just before halftime. That goal finished the game. They're both similar, bombarding forward. The Cork one was without the ball. This one was with the ball, and it wasn't the only time you did it against Tip. You're going to have to play a defender on him.
1: You are, but it, it's still a systematic thing, though. You can, I think, you can play anywhere because like, Mikey Breen is probably Tip's pound for pound most powerful athlete. Yeah, and he was playing over there, and he was barely keeping an inch him at times. Dan McCormack is well able to move, barely keeping an inch him going back there. And it's just this, and it's not like he takes on his man, goes one on one. They're waiting for the overload on one side. And you can hear the crowd when when Hannon is about to switch it over to him. It's like you know the crowd are getting up off their feet. It's like when Messi gets to the ball, he's up off the feet, and they're waiting to see what is this leg going to do with it. So I don't know. Doesn't matter who you're sticking it because he waits until he gets a little gap, and then I don't know. Can you catch him?
2: Yeah, he just takes off. Like I mean, how much will this hurt Tipperary? Um, like Liam Sheedy said after the game, you know they died with their boots on. They're not Munster and All and champions for no reason. Um, you know like he was fairly fair after the game no excuses he said we lost our structure and our shape our distribution in the second half fell to pieces they just put major pressure on us and we can have no complaints they annihilated us in the second half saw Liam Sheedy going in at half time and he's encouraging them all walking off the field and they're up for it and they're like we have these now you know well maybe not saying they have these now like would that be would that be harder for them to take than you know last year getting hammered for example like you know to have them and then have a, you know be really hammered in the second half do you know like i'm i'm wondering how tipperary will deal with this mentally
1: yeah i think it is uh, look it is very very hard um and you can say look that third sorry the third quarter you can say look the damage was done there but I suppose that's where Limerick, I suppose I would say, lifted it to an All Ireland final level of intensity. You know, they really pushed it and we just tipped, just didn't have an answer for them at that stage. And that, to me, that's what really hurts. That's what really, really hurts. And in terms of losing your structure, I think that starts to happen when you're plugging holes everywhere, that nobody is winning their battles. And you're losing scores and, you know, you're playing midfield and you're saying, well, maybe I need to get down after the break here and you're winning nothing around the field. You're not winning 50-50s and everything seems to be working against us. So I think that really, uh, you know, looking at a lot of defeats tip have had, that'll hurt an awful lot because they put so much into the first half. But I did look, I looked with five minutes to go in the first half and I could see a couple of tip lads, you know, hands on the head, blowing hard because they were putting so much into it. And, you know, Limerick, were t- and, and, it, and it got him a 10-point lead, you know, it got him a 10-point lead, but I think it left him with seriously nothing much in the second half in the tank. And, you know, I was talking to somebody today and I said it was like if you had a middleweight boxer against the heavyweight and they both had the same skill. But the middleweight was, every time he hit, he had to hit harder. Yeah. Every time they locked up, he had to use more energy. And to me, that's kind of, you know, that would be the metaphor I'd use for it.
2: It just, it just kind of wore them down. I was saying that last Thursday, like would yeah. they have the, would they have the fitness to be able to keep that level of intensity up the whole game and uh, the answer was probably not like Limerick uh, the age profile your heavyweight boxer versus middleweight analogy all those things like I mean it's hard to see how Tipperary can ever beat Limerick if that's the way unless they completely start restructuring their their team now and start doing what Kilkenny did and start bringing in some young lads with more legs and you know that's just the reality of it
1: Yeah I think so I think you know one good thing Liam would have got out of the game was the fact that he brought in substitutes and even actually I thought Jake Morris from start to end while maybe the middle part was a little rough he played pretty well and showed a bit more leadership than I had seen out of him so there there's a massive plus because we need young players Mark Yo came on I thought he was really busy and so was Nyla O'Mara so I think now that gives uh, Cadell even was good and, and Brian Maria so I think all the subs actually made a bit of an impact even though you might say the game was nearly over at that stage but at least it says to Liam Sheedy now going into the next match OK, I still love my older players, the experienced, great players. But a couple can be maybe left off to come on and be fresh as daisies coming in. And I get to see a bit more of that now that they have, youngsters have shown a little bit of metal and a little bit of work. So I think that would definitely be worth looking at. But certainly I wouldn't panic, overly panic. Um, at the end of the day, the Munster Championship is over. The Leinster Championship is over. Yes, mentally, that's a hard one. I think a really hard one to take. But they have to build it up again and I look forward to see what they do. You know, I'd expect maybe a Marquette to start the next day, Niall Amar to start, I'd like to see Paddy Cattell start, maybe three changes and to see, can we get that energy into it and then maybe bring on a couple of more experienced lads when they have a lot of energy and maybe the other team are a little more tired.
2: Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Limerick built up an aura about them now. Like, they have an aura, but now they have a we're never beaten aura because, like, I mean, three years ago when they won the All-Ireland, they came back from the dead against Cork. They were gone in that game and it went to extra time. Then the following year... They were dead and buried against Kilkenny, got it all the way back. And look, if it wasn't for the wrong call on a, on a, on a 65, you would say there was only going to be one winner in that in, in the, in the extra time. And then they come back from the dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they get to the stage now, Paddy, where if a team's 10 points up and the team 10 points up gets nervous rather than the other way around.
1: Well, I think that would be it, and you know, Dublin would probably be similar if any team could get ahead of them in the football, yeah. Kilkenny, Kilkenny were very similar if you look at New Zealand, they'd be very similar if you were beating New Zealand by 30 points, you don't think you'd you'd have the game on and I think it is that, the what they've achieved over the last few years and the manner in which they've played, and we often say they play to what they need to play certainly last year until the All-Ireland, they kind of played to that level that they needed to win matches, and yesterday they underperformed they were down by 10 pints, so they knew they needed to raise it to a new level and they were able to do it. And I think that just shows, they were kind of showing their real ability yesterday. I think when they're at 100%, when they're in danger of losing, they showed their ability. And look, they're they are they're going to have teams nervous no matter where you are. and whatnot. You'll have to beat them for 70 minutes and that's just going to be a really hard task.
2: Yeah, no, that definitely will. Right, we'll come back and we'll do performance of the weekend. OK, so for the first nomination for performance of the weekend has to go to Keane Lynch. He got the man of the match. He only scored a point, Paddy. But it wasn't, this wasn't a scoring performance. This And this wasn't a flicks and I look great performance. This was getting down and dirty and winning ball and being a leader and being a, a hardy bit of stuff and being all those things that you want out of, you know, one of your best players. Like almost the most, of all the unbelievable things he's done on the pitch, you'd almost say as a man, you know, that was a real manly performance of, of him. And, and, like, I'm not saying that other performances weren't, but other performances we rave about his skill levels, where yesterday we're raving about, Jesus, there's a good bit in that, lad.
1: Well, that's it, and I think, you know, he is, you know, a skill first player because he's so skillful. He troubles a lot of teams with just his ability, his technique. But yesterday, like... You know, I know obviously Dan McCormick very well um, and training with him. He is by far one of the strongest players I've ever played against Dan McCormick or marked in training or marked anywhere on a pitch. It doesn't look as strong as he actually is, like Paddy Maher style strength, like really, yeah. really strong. And Keen Lynch won some great balls off him yesterday, like, you know, caught. Now, Dan did his own work, but by the end of it, Keen Lynch had probably worn him down a little bit. And even in the air, I mean, Keen Lynch isn't that tall, you know, he's a regular height fella. But just his technique and his strength to hold off the man was absolutely fantastic. And Tip hit him. Tip hit him with shoulders and hopped off him. And, you know, he kept coming. And I think it probably for a lot of Limerick players yesterday, it was nearly one of their, their greatest moments to be able to just take that and the physical pressure and come forward. So, not... Brilliant, brilliant uh, performance and he seems to be getting better and better
2: as well. Yeah, no, he definitely is. Jason Ford, like, I mean, you'd, you'd feel sorry for Jason Ford because, I don't know, dude, all the good games that he plays well in, Tipperary seem to lose and he doesn't get that same adulation, maybe a mm-hmm. Shaby Flanagan or something, or Shamie Shami or something like that. Like, seven from play. I think all seven were in the first half. How was he free all the time? You were at the match. So, like, I mean, what was going on here? Like, was he, he was dropping off Hannan. Is it, is it William O'Donoghue or Dara Donovan were falling asleep here? They were, but you see, Tip,
1: we go back to then. Oh, Tip wanted more. Tip work hard. Tip were working harder. They were winning the ball in their back line. Limerick had to follow him down because they were able to come out with such ease. And when they did, Tip were managing to get away the passes. The, the tackles weren't were dispossessed in the Tip men. Then it ended up, Declan Hannan's never going to follow his man out. That's not his game. That's not his job. So he was sitting back. And Jason Ford was having... Thirty or forty yards of space, and Jason Ford' like's wrists are, are ridiculous, absolutely unbelievable. And he's not really going to miss too many. Like he might miss one, free one. That's it. But he was free for nearly every ball, and barely mm. needs a swing. But great player. I think he's getting better and better every year. He's getting fitter and fitter every year. And look at at least you know going forward, Tipperary have him as a talisman. No matter what happens with with other players, but yeah, great player. But look, you saw the second half. They, if you're talking about structural, they impose themselves on Tip were able to hold their structure because of that and therefore squashed up all the space that was in the tip forward line so you know he didn't get room in the second half to move and um, you know I suppose that that was it you know he didn't get a much ball after that
2: well, and Did you notice like, was O'Donoghue or was um, O'Donovan uh Detail to watch him a bit more, or was it just a, they had more possession and it didn't look because, like, I mean, would this not be identified as a big weakness for Limerick now? Like, I mean, Hannon has no interest in marking, and Tony Kelly took him to the cleaners a couple of years ago, you know, in, in that game in Turles when he was at centre forward. He won't mark, like, he's just not marking. He's watching, surely to God, that's that's teams are looking up, going, Christ, look what Jason Ford was able to do.
1: They definitely are, but. You used to say that about a lot of teams and it's a dangerous game to target somebody in Intercounty Hurling and in any Hurling actually because a lot of things have to go right. It's too hard a game to to be that intricate. Um, I would have, my biggest criticism with Hannon in the first half would have been he was centre-back, two high balls come in and two men getting the ball nearly came from his channel. Like, if I'm that free centre-back I need to be the conscience of the back line hold it off and then he was letting Jason Ford go too far so I don't think he was in the game at all yeah. and I do think he needs a lot of protection um, and a lot of Limerick people mightn't like that but he does need a lot of protection but you know he's a great hurler then when he's on the ball but that forward line in Limerick gives that protection in the way they tackle it. and they did the second half they didn't let Tip lads out with it and then Tip got that little bit of nervousness in their puck outs, they weren't able to find their man. And then he could just sit where he wanted because Tip weren't able to, to find their half-hour line, find their midfield. And after that, he'd be fine. And then he played brilliant after that. And that, that's what happened to me. Yeah.
2: So Declan Hannan had a very, very bad game yesterday. Sometimes when, like, I mean, you know, he plays well, you'd say he plays well. But, like, he's dropping off uh, forward. At what point does Declan Hannan, being the experienced centre-back or John Kiley or Knurk, say, push up on him there for five minutes because he's doing too much damage. You know, he, 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 they never tried to engage Ford at all. Like, maybe there is a lesson. I know you, you can't target too much, or, but like, I mean, if I was the opposition manager, i say he won't mark. Stay mm. 10 yards midfield side of him and I want anyone who gets the ball to be looking up. He's free. Play through yeah. him. All, play through him all the time. I would say that's, you know, an, an obvious thing to do against Limerick.
1: It definitely is, but the, the, the trick of that, that works, but the trick is you have to win the battle first. You have to have them at sixes and sevens trying to come and tackle your backs and your midfielders and you have to be breaking the tackles, handing it on for those holes to be here. If you're not breaking out through the Limerick attack, which is really, really the the trick of it all, then you'll never get the opportunity. There'll never be those holes opened up. And if you talk about Declan Hannon having a good game, right? It's not like when I look at it, the Limerick management are not, thinking of him. Their talk, they're probably thinking the system didn't work. That's what is in their head because Declan Hannon probably to him was doing his job and to Limerick management. They want him sitting there on the 40 metre line. If he has to go out in his man they're probably saying that's a bad indictment of the team and the work rate within the team, I would say. And right. I don't think it's in their language to say, you step up and you'll solve that because if he does step up, you will probably a Shamey Callan or, or whoever's inside doing a lot more damage after that.
2: Right, maybe that's it, yeah. But like I mean, Jesus, if it was up to me, I would say <laughs> Hannan had a bit of a had a bit of a nightmare last night. Cahill Malone, Jackie Tyrrell was tweeting during this game. Um, he said he's the most improved hurler in Ireland. Like and I have to say, I always put Cahill Malone down as a win. Harler, a bit of a, a bit of a kind of a plough horse rather than a race horse. And you know, a very hot day in Tarlis would not be a day I would be identifying, you know, for him to play brilliantly. What what I loved about his goal, Paddy is you see a lot of players throwing their hands up there and looking back at the ref looking for the free. He just bull he'd no interest, he was being fouled badly, but he had no interest in stopping. He was just running through the player and he took the net out of it.
1: Yeah, I'd say he doesn't get up there too often.
2: <laughs> this I know it was Only
1: chance for a goal, brilliant finish. And do you know what? It was instinctive, and that's often the best. You know yourself in any sport when you're going for a goal when you didn't have time, you just threw it up, lashed it, and straight in the top corner. So it was a great score. But Colin Malone is you know, a really good player. He's probably if I liken him to another player, a bit like Dan McCormack, and that the shooting can be a little bit off, like we've seen it. After that, he scored one one, and after that, he probably hit three or four poorish wides, and that's what you will get out of him. But he'll keep a team honest. He's always there doing the dirty work. He's always ball winning or tackling or hooking. And like, you know, it's probably like a number seven in rugby where the likes of me and you mightn't see what they're doing. But, you know, somebody who's into the rugby would see all the tackles and the turnovers. That's what I think you see how caught him alone. And very powerful runner as well. If you get him in a straight line, He's very good, but probably the key is that he needs to pop it off to Tony Kelly instead of shooting himself.
2: Yeah, maybe it is. like I mean I'm gonna brag about this as well. I told you Wexford are gonna have a hangover from the disappointment of the Kennedy. They did they weren't at the pitch of it at all, were they? And then they came back.
1: Oh. I was Jesus, it was terrible to look at, really. Um obviously I've never managed an intercounty, so it's like maybe somebody could point it at you that you haven't a clue the intricacies, but I mean out of Rory O'Connor, Lee Chin, and Conor McDonnell surely at all stages of the game one of them is going to be in there like how is even Paul Morris is by trade an inside forward and you have none of them inside for 40 minutes like it's a easy to read your tactics then everybody's out the field let's put pressure on them out the field Yeah, player only needed to have their one sweeper inside nothing to hit it into so I'm wondering where did that come out was it a tactic gone wrong was it a tactic that we were supposed to do? Or were players just not believing in where they were told to go on the field? Either way, it's concerning. And you'd say, Wexford, you know, the way they're playing, like that's that's probably the end of the road, really, isn't it? Yeah,
2: they showed a lot of heart, I suppose, to come back. They got eight in a row to get right back yeah. into the game. But Clare were able to push it back out. I'd say that is the end of Davey in Wexford. I, I think, like, I mean, he's probably brought them as far you know, as he can bring them. And like you say, you have Lee Chin, you have Conor McDonald, you have Morris, you have O'Connor, who looks an exceptional, exceptional player. You'd like to see another manager, see, can he get a bit more, you know, maybe out of them.
1: Yeah, and I, I do think Davy has had a couple of really, really good years. And yeah. Like before Davy came in, Wexford were one of the teams where... They might cause somebody a bit of trouble, but they weren't really beating anybody. I thought, okay a bit clear, I think, once in a qualifier. Um, but it was awfully maybe the big game that they'd have. So I think he did bring a lot of steel and a lot more expectation. He won the Leinster final with him. But now I think it's come to a stage where they have a higher expectations again. They have some really good players, attacking players, and maybe a different style. Because I think mentally, Davies' style is very, very hard to keep up for more than a few years. It's it's run, run, run. If you're thinking of somebody in football, maybe Jimmy McGuinness is something similar where you just have to be so mentally strong to keep running and running and running without ever being able to tear a team apart because you don't have enough firepower up the field
2: yeah maybe that's it like I mean we'll see what happens yeah, I'd imagine that's probably the end of him um, in Wexford but it has to be said like I mean he did bring them on but you're right if to get them on to another level now maybe they need a sprinkling of something else James Marr geez like I mean at half time you'd say James Marr could, could be under pressure to stay on the field never mind being be, be for performance at the weekend what a great yes. turnaround he had like I mean Sutcliffe started so well and he looked lively and he was the leader and he was on loads of ball throwing and owl you know onto the Hurl, pretending to shoot and all these kinds of things James Amar comes over out in the the second, head. over the head scores three points in the second half and you'd say Jesus fair play to you like that takes a lot of mental strength to come out and do that to Danny Sutcliffe
1: Danny Sutcliffe exactly because if it was a normal Joe Soap and he got the few scores off you you'd say hey come on now you'd look at yourself in the mirror inside the Jacks and say come on uh, you're better than that or you can get stuck into this that. but Danny Sutcliffe is proven he's proven skill, fitness, and to have the mental metal to, to to go at a Leinster final on a Kilkenny team. So James Maher, to be fair to him, is probably after Copper fastening himself into the Kilkenny team because yeah. hurling aside, I'm sure uh, Brian Cody looked at that and said, that's the sort of fellow I want who everybody thinks he's bet. I think he's nearly bet and he comes up and he really doubles down. And even that ball he flicked off the Hurley, that took a lot because... Sutcliffe so is a better athlete than James Maher, but he kept going and kept going. Last second, got back and got that flick, and you know, I think a real symbol of what the Kilkenny team has been this year so far. Um, but what a performance and a couple of couple of unbelievable scores. And as Jackie Tyrrell said, he is a natural half forward. But as I always say. It's probably easier to be a back than a forward. So I think a lot of good forwards or average forwards could be very good backs.
2: But here's the thing like, I mean, that's the kind of halfback display you usually see a lot of credit for long range scores. And now you have Kyle Hayes showing another. Side to a wing back, as in going with it the whole time, you know, and carrying it with the pace. Do you think Michael Carey? Like, I mean, he showed fierce turn of pace. Do you think Connor Brown's obviously he's he's not going to be back for the next game. He went down with a bad hamstring injury. Think he can come in here and say whenever you get it, you know, run at them, go at them, give a pass, go again. You know, like we know Wexford do that a little bit. Like, you don't want all your your defenders trying to do like Wexford. That's a bit too intricate. But no harm letting your number seven say here. Look, that's that's your kind of your unique selling point let's get in on that a little bit I
1: don't think it's I don't think it's something to be ruled out at all I I think looking at the next game they'll eye up whoever they're playing first and then they'll say as a defender is Michael Carey you know the right fit if he is if they think he's able for him then they might say yeah let's go with him let's get him pushing up the field Conor Brown's an absolutely huge loss Yeah, but with Michael Carey you're probably going pretty light for light there you know, in terms of speedy, strong, good hurler. The other thing they might do is they might bring Killian Buckley into the starting lineup. But again I think it's better him coming on as sub. He's full of energy, you know, he's a lot of mileage on the clock at this stage. Him coming on in as sub might be might be the play. But Michael Carey, it depends, we saw him for ten minutes or whatever it was. Oh sorry, t- thirty five minutes or forty minutes the other day performed fine but I suppose, look, you're talking about an Ireland semi-final next. You're talking about big, big, big time games. So it'd be interesting to see. But they do like it with Poreg Walsh already. We see Poreg Walsh gets the ball and goes with it. Uh, we also see uh, Paddy Deegan does it to great effect as well. So it could be something that the uh, Kilkenny management look into. Ireland? Yeah,
2: the wing bass I'm thinking of Caelum Lyons. He goes with it a lot. He shoots a lot as well. I think yeah. Ky- Kyle Hayes is nearly out on his own that he never takes a long-range shot. He always either goes with it, or gives gives a pass, hoping to get the return. It's a, mm. has, a, has a wing back like that ever been seen in hurling before?
1: I'm trying to think of it now. I'd love to hear it. Maybe Jerry McInerney back in back in the day, but again, he was going for pints and off and a
2: lot of long range points. pints.
1: Yeah, a lot of pints, but. I, I'm just trying to crack my brains I can't think of anyone that's done. And who's come up and, and consistently every match it's nearly every match he gets inside the 21 for a goal yeah. and even the All-Ireland last year the whole thing I don't know I mean it is a, a whole new ball game really but it's certainly a tactic like that they're saying now like they, you can see him overloading one side of the field and trying to get it over to his. And it is a tactic, but it's it is fairly awesome, you
2: know. Caleb Lines is probably the closest to that. As in he might go, mm. he's if some man to take a long range shot himself, but like he does run oh, at really? the odd time, he he kinda mixes it up. Hugh Lawler is another um uh, nomination here. He's tied that down. I remember there was a debate around the full back spot. Like, I mean there's no debate now. He's a rangy Great man in the air, wholehearted Himself, Deegan Walsh. Like, the back line is looking very, very good for Clekenny. Like, I mean, they might need a little bit, I don't know, a little bit more out of forwards. Am I being a little bit harsh on them? I'd say maybe
1: around the midfield. They'd be, you know, Richie Lahey is in and out of the team. Richie Reid is in and out of the team. So, yeah. And they were the ones that played midfield. I know Mullen was down there to start, but they're probably the ones... That That's not, yeah. it's, not a, it's
2: not an all-Ireland win in midfield is it Lahey and and R- Richie Reid
1: <sighs> like it's not typically one uh, no I will say I think they have a little <laughs> they have a little trio there going well again they have Adrian Mullen obviously TJ and Owen Cody going well all Ballyhale of, of course yeah, Cody all wasn't Cody wasn't great was he? I thought he was good I thought he was winning ball I thought he was causing them serious serious trouble maybe he didn't have the finishes that he had some other days but like he was setting the play, he's he's good in the air. You can hit any type of ball to him. I I was have I was impressed enough with him now, and I think they worked really well together, flicking boss to each other. And certainly to have it in the forward line. Um the midfield I think is their only area where they'll be a little bit concerned. Just that they're not owning the game there. Like Richie Reed is taken off a lot of the time, he hurts very well for Bally Hale, but this is a different step up again and just not doing it. Richie Lahi, number twenty three, because he was on the bench not to start. He was starting and he's on and he's off for the last three or four years. So they're going to have to see improvement in that. And I think Cody will just go to whoever is going well in training the next day will get on. But uh, that's the only place I see weakness. I, look, Hugh Lawler to me has been very good the last few years. but That was his real moment where he came out and showed to be top class and catching balls and driving out with it and his fundamentals are excellent he'll stay close to his man you're not going to catch too many balls in the air off him he's teak tough and uh, he's only getting better and better
2: yeah and Paddy Deegan I suppose putting him back in the corner a lot of people would, might, might have been questioning that at the time but like I mean it seems to be very very comfortable there doesn't he like I mean and Parik Walsh at centre back and he uses the ball very well obviously Deegan he's a much better hurler maybe than he's given credit for
1: He's a fantastic hurler. I suppose the only thing you can say, he is quite left sided, but he, he's so powerful and fast that he makes it work for himself. He's really tight. Like to go from being a midfielder to a, a shutdown cornerback, which is what he is, he's shutting the lads down, but he's coming forward. I think he's been impressive for a few years now, to be fair to him. And even through the lean few years when Kilkenny didn't look fantastic. He's been really, really good. He's very fit. If you talk about Limerick guys being fit, he seems like he could stay going all day. So I think he's played unbelievably back there and has brought something that they needed. But it just shows you do need great players out the field and he could easily step in as a midfielder. But if you're not set in that full back line, then you'll always have your weaknesses.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I don't know who to give it to. Between Kyle Hayes and Keen Lynch um, here, obviously we didn't mention... Um, we didn't mention Mitchell Niall Mitchell from, from Westmead who scored 1-4 his goal we mentioned uh, was absolutely outstanding he scored a brilliant goal off his left hand side over at the sideline the one I liked was the real nonchalant one off his right hand side just from a tight angle it's like he was turning around to give it back outside it was like he was taking the piss almost a little bit not in a dis- I don't know I don't want to say that disrespectfully but he, was, he tapped it on his hurl and was looking around and then just nonchalantly kind of tapped it over on the right side do you know the one I'm on about it was like a it's just yeah. like a, a lot of Asher's
1: skills. Just expressing himself, I suppose. They are playing well, and that's that's what you do. But um, no, look at the great score as well. But I don't know. Are you going to be picking this? Contender
2: of the week. I think it's like Kyle Hayes is a complete freak of a number seven, and he's going to change wow. number seven. And then Keen Lynch gave the most leadership, you know, manly performance you'd ever see. So I don't know. Do we give a giant one? I can't decide. Yeah. Let you decide. There, you're the you're the tip man. You can de- <laughs> you can decide who pissed you off more.
1: <laughs> pissed me off more. Okay. Keane
2: Lynch because he was on my club, mate, so maybe we will give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> As for pissing off Dan McCormick, Keane Lynch gets the performance of the weekend, so congratulations to him, a brilliant performance. Right, great stuff, Paddy. We'll be back on Thursday, all quarter quarterfinals and the relegation match between Leash and Westmead. So the message to Westmead from Leash is enjoy your Joe McDonough, go on the beer for the whole week and really, 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 really fill that cup, fill it several times outside in the beer gardens. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. no such thing as a media band. We don't have a media band.
1: Ah, oh, you do? No, we don't. <laughs> a donkey eat a, a pallet. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to eat.
2: He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, fit, But I burst out laughing watching <laughs> <of the language>. him. <laughs>